You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Carmelite Spirituality Conversations with Mark Danis and Francis Harry. Hello, hello. I'm so overjoyed to be with you tonight for Carmelite Spirituality Conversations. This is Francis Harry, a Secular Order Discalced Carmelite member. And my co-host, Mark Danis, is on the phone because he's in another location. Mark, are you there? I am. Can you hear me all right, Francis? Oh, yes. Great. Thank you, God. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the technology works. Well, we have a great... Yeah, yeah, we're very thankful for that. So we have a great conversation um, tonight on preparing to receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, because in just two weeks, um, we'll be celebrating Pentecost in the church. So um, we have this great conversation about that. Um, But first, we want to start with an opening prayer, and I'm going to take the lead, and I'm going to let Mark take the lead after that, okay? So let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And this is from St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi from the Ancient Observance of Carmel. Oh, my God. Oh, my Jesus. You are going away and leaving us. Oh, what joy there will be in heaven. But we have to remain here on earth. Oh, eternal word, what has your creature done for you? that you should do so much for him, and then ascend into heaven to glorify him even more. Tell me, what has he done for you, that you should love him so much? What has he given you? What do you look for in him? You love him so much that you give yourself to him, you who are all things, and besides whom there is nothing. You want from him his entire will and intellect, because when he gives them to you, he gives you all that he has. O infinite wisdom, O supreme good, O love, O love so little known, little loved, and possessed by so few. O our ingratitude, cause of every evil, O purity so little known and so little desired. O my spouse, now that you are in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Eternal Father, Create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Francis. Uh, I I have to confess I'm a little bit challenged. It's a little unclear on my end, but we'll we'll press ahead and and work our way through this. I, I appreciate... Uh, for our listeners, Francis taking the time to uh, put together uh, a wonderful um, series of uh, reflections for this evening for our conversation. Um, this was very helpful for me, Francis, and um, as she indicated, I'm away from the studio today, and so a little bit challenged in terms of um, the coordination that we normally have when we're sitting together, but um, she, um, as I say, has put together a wonderful format for the program that has to do with preparation for receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Uh, we know, of course, in a couple of weeks, the Church will uh, be celebrating Pentecost, that is the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, in a sense, uh, the birthday of the Church. And so we should wrestle with a very simple question for ourselves, very individually, How do we prepare for the Holy Spirit's coming? How do we best dispose ourselves to receive uh, that uh, greatest gift that the Lord left us when he uh, left, of course, after his Last Supper um, um, dissertation, if you will, and left us, uh, indicated that he would uh, send us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to counsel us, to console us, and so many other graces and gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. But we have to prepare ourselves for that arrival. And, uh, Francis, I'm gonna, I know we'll be uh, back and forth a little bit, um, but I, I'd like you to share um, this uh, prayer, really, that you identified um, that sort of leads us into this discussion. All right. Um, as we're thinking about how to prepare ourselves to receive anew this Holy Spirit in this grace-filled time of mercy, I ran across this um, uh, uh, two paragraphs 
written by an Orthodox bishop, and their name was not there, so I don't know which Orthodox bishop said it, but it was regarding the Holy Spirit, and I think it gives us a lot of material to meditate on. So here, here we go. Without the Holy Spirit, God is far away. Christ stays in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is simply an organization. Authority, a matter of domination. Mission, a matter of propaganda. Liturgy, no more than an evocation. Christian living, a slave morality. But with the Holy Spirit, the cosmos is resurrected and groans with the birth pangs of the kingdom. The risen Christ is there. The gospel is the power of life. The church shows forth the life of the Trinity. Authority is a liberating service. Mission is a Pentecost. The liturgy is both memorial and anticipation. And human action is deified. And that's the end. Well, as uh, you indicate, there's there's a great deal for us to think about there. Uh, It's a wonderful prayer. And, of course, uh, uh, the Orthodox uh, Orthodox perspective on the Holy Spirit, um, a little bit different in terms of the procession of the Holy Spirit, but we don't need to get into that. This focus on the Holy Spirit, on the uh, significance of the Holy Spirit entering our world, um, playing a significant role as uh, the Holy Spirit does in fulfillment of the mission of the Church, is an important theme for us to, uh, to reflect on. Devotion to the Holy Spirit, of course, um, is said to be the golden key where the soul gains free access to his infinitely rich treasure chamber. And we know that from this treasury, the Holy Spirit liberally dispenses graces uh, for his, uh, the distribution of eternal love. Uh, and to give, for the Holy Spirit to give, gives him more pleasure uh, and man experiences in the receiving, that is, the Holy Spirit giving the gifts of our, of our Father, In his infinite love, our Lord ardently desires to make souls happy. More than a mother, in fact, desires to make children happy. Our Father wishes to make us happy and receives great joy in doing that. We know the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Apostles were, of course, the first uh, to receive and practice this special devotion to the Holy Spirit. Um, This is seen in um, the um, nine-day novena that perhaps many of us are familiar with. Um, the waiting in the upper room uh, and praying for the Holy Spirit and eventually receiving that gift at Pentecost. It was really the first novena. It's where the, I'm told anyway, the idea of the novena comes from. Um, They are waiting in fasting and prayer uh, for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Um, Francis, uh, would you take us into the, the next bit of this reflection here about a practical steps, because I think that's really sort of the, the centerpiece of our conversation today. Well, I was thinking as we're approaching Pentecost, okay, how am I going to prepare for this? Um, you know, because um, I, I want to be focused in a more particular way, not because I always remember the Holy Spirit throughout the day, throughout the years. Um, but in a particular way, I wanted to draw special attention as we approach Pentecost. So um, I came up with some practical steps that we can take to help us prepare for an ever deeper reception in filling of the Holy Spirit this coming Pentecost in this year of mercy. So to set the stage, I I just want us to remember the word spirit. It comes from the Latin word spiritus, which means air, respiration, the vital breath. In our bodies, the breath is the sign of our life. In our souls, the breath of God is the sign of divine life in love in the spirit. So, For our first step, we need to learn about the Holy Spirit. And one of the best ways is through study of Scripture. So, Because, you know, how can we desire what we do not know? Receiving the Holy Spirit is not just a theory. The church gets to know the Holy Spirit through her experience of him. And we want that experience. And we have the church witnessing to the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And there are several scripture passages here. Mark, would you like to go through those? 
Yes. Um, first of all, um, we read in John fourteen twenty six. Jesus himself says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, that the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. It's important when we read Scripture, obviously, as we have said, Francis and I have reflected so many times, the Carmelites are wonderful at ensuring that they incorporate a Scripture throughout their own writings, the, uh, the writings that Teresa and John, most especially, and other great saints in Carmel have left us, are, are um, um, laced through with Scripture, and not only to support what they're saying, but also as a means and a launching pad for reflection. So here we hear the Lord himself saying, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, that the Father will send in my name, will teach you. But there's a, a, a prerequisite, as we know, to learning, and that is the preparation on the part of the student. That's what we're talking about today, is our preparation for receiving that gift and, again, disposing ourselves to be taught Teresa of Avila, of course, would advocate humility as the principal virtue necessary for that preparation. Uh, study, silence, time in prayer, and by, by study, of course, I mean scripture and the writings of the, of the Church Fathers and the great saints. Um, but, but most especially, prayer, silence before the Lord, and listening in that silence to receive what the Holy Spirit has to teach us. Also, later in Acts 1.8, we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That last part, of course, we know is for us, um, that ends of the earth incorporates all of um, the world geography and all time. And we will be part of, we are in fact part of that work, but it requires that we first receive the power of the Holy Spirit. What is the power of the Holy Spirit? It incorporates the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We won't go through that at this moment, but uh, all of the graces and, and support of the Holy Spirit, um, the peace and consolation we talked about, um, knowledge, wisdom, uh, courage, fortitude, another way of saying courage, of course, but uh, these things are uh, part of this power that we receive when we receive the Holy Spirit, and it invests us in that work that was mentioned about um, bringing this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Later in John fourteen sixteen through 17, Jesus again speaks and says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the spirit of truth, which the world cannot accept, because it neither sees nor knows it. But you know it, because it remains with you and will be with you. And of course, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. The advocate here. Advocate where? Advocate before the Father. The Holy Spirit advocates for us before the Father. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth, which reveals to us what is true, not about the way the world sees things, but about the way God sees things and how uh, the universe is ordered uh, to God's design. And we have to uh, avail ourselves, we have to uh, prepare ourselves for the understanding that comes, the teaching that I mentioned earlier in John fourteen twenty six, that comes as a result of our spending time with the Holy Spirit. Also following on in John sixteen thirteen, uh, the Lord says, But when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak with what he will speak what he hears and he will declare to you the things that are coming. So you see almost the prophetic nature of the Holy Spirit in this particular verse. He will be preparing us by teaching us. He will be giving us power. He will teach us um, not only about what it is that we need to do regarding the sharing of the gospel, but he will teach us truth. You remember the encounter of Jesus with Pontius Pilate when Christ said, uh, made reference to truth in Pontius Pilate, demonstrating worldly ignorance says, what is truth? The world does not know what truth is. The Holy Spirit, our advocate, will reveal that to us. Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit would be known by his followers as a teacher, as a counselor, 
as a source of power and as an advocate, and that's supported clearly by each of these scripture verses. And at this time of year, there are so many um, students preparing for the reception of confirmation, and they are studying about the Holy Spirit. So, um, And I think we need a lifelong study of the Holy Spirit because there's, it's infinite, you know. Um, nobody ever masters this subject, right? So that's the first step. But the second step, we have several steps, and we're going to go nine steps. Uh, that's the goal here. Uh, the second step would it be exercise obedience when in the scripture passage, um, uh, Jesus says we must not depart Jerusalem. That comes from Acts 1, where Jesus tells his disciples, and while staying with them, he charged them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, what does that have to do with us? How do we not depart from Jerusalem? Well, in the New Testament, Jerusalem and the temple symbolize the covenant between God and his people. And Matthew, the gospel writer, recalls the sanctity of Jerusalem as the holy city. That's in Matthew 4, 5. And Jesus refers to it as the city of the great king. So then that's chapter 5, verse 35. We also see in Hebrews that Jerusalem is referred to as the heavenly Jerusalem and Mount Zion, the city of the living God. So we can infer Jerusalem to be um, a symbol of the church where God dwells among his people. And in a spiritual sense, the temple of God, the church, the temple of God within our own souls. So the way I'm taking this is let's go to God in the interior of our heart and soul. And and it can also be go to mass, go to go to celebrate uh, together in the church. Um, but we can when you're not able to get out, um, you can go anytime, 24-7 to the interior cell of your heart. And that leads us to the third step. Mark, do you want to take this? Yeah, the third step is probably the most challenging one, Francis. At least I can <laughs> share yeah. that from my own perspective. And you know a little bit about that right now with regard to uh, right. some conversations we've been having. Um, the, uh, the third step very clearly is simply to wait. Uh, patience is required here. Uh, in our day and age, of course, we get so many things instantaneously. We become that culture that relies on instantaneous entertainment, uh, instantaneous food, instantaneous you name it, uh, and we become accustomed to it in such a way that we have in general very little patience. Jesus, however, tells us and tells his disciples, of which we are uh, members, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait. Uh, in the upper room that we mentioned earlier, of course, uh, the Blessed Mother and the disciples were forced to wait, and those were very trying times, of course. Uh, uh, the Lord had been uh, taken away from them, and uh, they were awaiting the arrival of something that they weren't entirely sure of, but patience had to be practiced, and how hard it is to have patience, to wait. We want to control, we want to influence, we want to make things happen. Certain personalities are even more so uh, this way, uh, that they want to be part of making something come about, and instead the Lord demands of us patience. Here we learn to let go, and we let God, a phrase many of us are familiar with. But how often we want to do something, we want to make something happen, uh, or better yet, we want to get God to do something. <laughs> we want to encourage God to right. fulfill our plan, and we'd like him to do that now. The truth is we gain far more power and courage and an interior peace, a deep interior peace, if we simply resign ourselves, surrender Trust in the Lord and wait for him. What the Lord is trying to do is remove us from this expectation that, one, we can create the outcome, and two, we can determine when that will happen. Psalm 46.10, in fact, tells us, Be still and know that I am God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, one, because it's the most challenging for me. Be still and know that I am God. In Isaiah 40.31, we are also told, They that wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord, or we might say hope for the Lord, they will renew their strength. Think about that um, in, in the context of our um, you know, modern culture. Waiting, patience, 
letting the Lord determine the outcome seems inconsistent um, that it would result in the renewing of our strength. But in fact, it is because, Paul will later tell us, when I am weak, when I am uh, at my most difficult and I have to patiently wait, then I know that the Lord will come in and take control of the situation. And I may not determine the outcome, but I can remain confident uh, that the Lord will be determining and working through every step of that process uh, in my best interest. And that leads us to the next step, the fourth step. Uh, you know, when we're waiting, we have great anticipation, and this is where it's like waiting for Christmas, and, you know, you can hardly wait to open the Christmas presents, and, um, you know, as a little child, that's exciting. But in this period of waiting, this is a time right now for us as we prepare for Pentecost to excite within our hearts an ardent desire for the Holy Spirit. In Acts one five. After Jesus tells the disciples not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait, he then tells them what they're waiting for. He says, you're waiting for the promise for the Father about which you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, what did that mean? You know, coming from Jesus, the apostles knew it had to be important And, you know, many times they're afraid to ask him to explain things, right? Um, Yet even at this time, uh, they weren't sure what Jesus meant, even though they'd spent three years with him. They still needed to be enlightened and transformed by the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish the great mission which was to be entrusted to them. So let us now fervently desire we have the knowledge we are waiting let us desire with all our hearts the coming of the holy spirit with his gifts his graces which he dispenses especially his burning charity and heavenly consolations jesus repeatedly promised the apostles the holy spirit as a comforter a counselor and teacher and that leads us to our fifth step Uh, we're going to just start this. I don't know if we'll get through it before our break, because we're going to take a break in just a few minutes here. Um, But the fifth step is to gather together and trust. What do you think about that one, Mark? I think it's an equally important one, as we know in Carmel, Francis, um, this gathering together. Again, I could go back to the uh, gathering of the Blessed Mother and the disciples in the uh, upper room, the apostles in the upper room, waiting on the Lord. They gathered together for what? One, to encourage each other, to support each other, to pray together where two or more are gathered, we know, uh, is an important uh, scriptural um, uh, premise, um, but also to fast. And in Acts 1-6, we read, When they had gathered together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He answered them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has established by his own authority. Of course, this precedes uh, that time in Acts. Uh, Also in Acts, we read, after the ascension, um, this scripture verse from 113, when they entered the city, that is Jerusalem, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Of course, this is the reference to um, that novena that I mentioned earlier. I think, Francis, we're probably at the point about halfway through this fifth description uh, where we need to take a break, and um, so I'm going to encourage us uh, to do that now. Uh, And a reminder that you are listening to Carmelite Spirituality Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back. The dead of your sin. 
Listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Carmelite Spirituality Conversations with Mark Danis and Francis Harry. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. We are continuing our conversation on preparation for receiving the Holy Spirit. As uh, many of you, of course, know, we'll be celebrating Pentecost here very soon. Um, and it isn't just a matter of the Lord having sent us the Holy Spirit, certainly He did. Uh, but it's also a matter of preparation on our part to take full advantage of the gifts uh, and the graces and the mercy that the Holy Spirit wants to impart to us and prepare us to do the work that the Lord has called us to do. And in that regard, uh, we were discussing uh, the Blessed Mother and the Apostles in what we um, have characterized as the first novena, the preparation when they were awaiting in the upper room, praying, fasting, supporting each other, um, as they awaited the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and gathering together, which is this fifth um, step, if you will, in preparing for the Holy Spirit, is so important. And I mentioned, Francis, that we in community in Carmel know about this. We gather at least once a month. Frankly, right. in our community now, uh, there are four additional opportunities throughout the course of the month. So literally every week, um, we have many prayer sessions in our community that are held in different parishes and allow for uh, members of our community, if they are available and able, uh, to join together principally for prayer uh, and supporting one another. And that's so important that we come together with brothers and sisters in Christ and we share with each other, we support each other, we intercede for each other, uh, pray and fast, obviously, and um, wait on the Lord, call on the Lord, gather together. Community is vital. There is strength in numbers, and more importantly, each person in the group becomes part of the mystical body of Christ. We emphasize this, I suspect, Francis, now, um, <laughs> at least once a month, if not more yeah. often. Uh, and right. gathered together, of course, we're more connected, and the presence of each of us enhances the whole uh, mystical body of Christ when we gather together in that way. <clears throat> it would have, of course, been easy for uh, division, dissension, uh, to begin to occur <clears throat> in the difficult early days of the Church as it was establishing itself. Uh, their idea, of course, of coming of the kingdom was not what Jesus had in mind. They could have easily rejected Peter's leadership on account of his denial of Christ and at, at the Passion. Um, the early church could have bickered over who should lead and what should be done. But in Acts one fourteen, we read, All the, these, that's the apostles, devoted themselves with one accord. This can be taken to mean, of course, in harmony and with purpose, united together. The words with one accord imply this idea of togetherness, like glued together. Uh, that seems to go beyond a simple gathering together, but they were working in, a, in one accord. There was among these apostles and the disciples unity. They were bound together where? In Christ. Uh, he is what bound them together. First, their love of Jesus. Secondly, their love of each other. And thirdly, and perhaps as importantly, their witness of Jesus. They had each known Jesus. Uh, and of course, fourthly, they wanted to see him again. They aspired uh, to uh, encountering Jesus again after uh, having had to witness his crucifixion. In Acts one eighteen, Jesus had already told them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We, of course, have read that scripture. What it means is the disciples understood 
that without the spiritual power that had been promised to them, that the Lord uh, had promised with the impartation of the Holy Spirit, it would have been impossible for them to fulfill his command, which was nothing less than to evangelize the world. So instead, they stayed together, they waited, they trusted, uh, they practiced patience. Uh, They weren't inactive by any means. In fact, they were very ardently desiring of the Holy Spirit. Desire is part and central uh, to our prayer. They were praying, they were fasting, they were supporting each other. And of course, um, who's always present in, in those circumstances but the Blessed Mother? Mary was right there with them, the Mother of Jesus, uh, interceding for them and praying along with them. And she is always with us whenever we gather in prayer. Francis, would you take us and through the sixth step on the, on the journey to preparation yes. for the Holy Spirit? You're bringing up Mary leads us right into that step, which is gather in union with the Blessed Virgin Mary, because she's our mother. We got to pull the family together here. And who knew and understood Jesus better than Mary? Now, who had better pondered his whole life and all his words? Who knew his heart better than Mary? The disciples gather around Mary, our mother, and the mother of the church. And this reminds us, you know, as a Carmelite, how our beginnings um, on Mount Carmel, the uh, hermits gathered together and they had a church in the center dedicated to our Blessed Mother. So, you know, gathering around Mary is very much a a heritage of, of the Carmelites. You know, on November 21st, 1964, at the closing of the third session of the Council of Vatican II, we hear Pope Paul VI solemnly proclaiming Mary as mother of the church. And this is what he said. I thought this was important. Our vision of the church must include loving contemplation of the marvels which God worked in his holy mother. And knowledge of the true Catholic doctrine about Mary will always be the key to correct understanding of the mystery of Christ and of the church. He ends by saying, and so for the glory of the Virgin and for our consolation, we proclaim Mary most holy to be the mother of the church, that is, mother of the entire people of God, faithful as well as pastors who call her loving mother. And we desire that from now on she be honored and invoked by the entire people of God under this most pleasing title. You know, the Blessed Virgin Mary always leads us to Jesus. She's the one that says, do whatever he tells you. You know, she's our closest intercessor to Jesus. And St. Louis de Montfort reminds us, when the Holy Spirit finds Mary in a soul, he flies to it. He enters therein and communicates himself to that soul with such abundance. And Father Gabriel of St. Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, in his book, um, Divine Intimacy, He writes about Mary, and this was so beautiful, I had to bring it on and share it with all of you. He says, O Holy Virgin, it is just this charity, the fruit of your intimate union with God, which you pour out upon all mankind, condescending to receive them in the wide embrace of your immense love. This same charity, which fires you with love for the eternal, also inflames you with love for men, for you see them not in themselves, but in God, considering them as his creatures and his children. This charity, which has consecrated you to the service of the Most High, has also vowed you to the service of humanity. And so you have loved every creature, even me, despite my wretchedness. So here you have the apostles have gathered together and they are in union centered around Mary, praying for the Holy Spirit, which leads to the next step, Mark. (laughs) Yeah, our seventh step, and this again will come as no great surprise to uh, uh, members of Carmel, and that is prayer. Uh, Again, I'll reread Acts 114, which says, All these devoted themselves with one accord to prayer together with some women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. The disciples, of course, gathered together in union with Mary. We've just uh, discussed the importance uh, of being in union with Mary, especially in prayer, and that's exactly what they did. They waited in prayer 
for the fulfillment of what Jesus had promised, despite, by the way, um, the circumstances which uh, would suggest um, that that uh, promise uh, was um, at best something um, that they would have to struggle to um, experience. In other words, the circumstances were nothing less than the death of Jesus Christ. And yet he had promised to them the fulfillment uh, of uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, uh, the guide, the one who would reveal all truth, who would strengthen them, who would bring them power. The word power was used. This, again, as I said, was the first novena, effectively nine days of prayer before uh, the event of Pentecost. Now let's look at another word. We looked at the word accord a moment ago, but also this word, these devoted themselves. And we talked about the fact that they devoted themselves to prayer. Devoted means zealous or ardent in attachment, loyalty or affection, to give up, concentrate on a particular pursuit, occupation, purpose, or cause, case. Also to set apart or dedicate by a solemn or formal act, in a sense, to consecrate. Devotion, devoted, means that these apostles, along with uh, Mary and other women, were very committed to what it is that they had been asked by our Lord to do. Wait in patience, pray, support one another. Devotion in prayer is an attitude that we must have. It's a concentrated single eye on Christ, a focused attention, ardent loyalty, I mentioned just a moment ago, which perseveres regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the limitations, regardless of what our um, limited intellectual capacity may perceive of the circumstances and situations that we are praying in and through, we are to persevere. We, too, must unite together in union with Mary and pray for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This conversation is fundamentally about preparation. What must we do? to prepare to be ready to receive the gift that is being offered at Pentecost. Well, we should pray according to the example given to us by the apostles. We've discussed that. Pray most fervently for the Holy Spirit. This is not a um, a sort of an ad hoc uh, or an indifference in prayer. I can't imagine anybody praying effectively with any indifference. But this is a very focused, very intentional, very zealous, a prayer desiring in the deepest recesses of our heart for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. As it said, prayer is the golden key to the treasure chamber of the Holy Spirit. Now, St. John Vianney, the cure to ours, was accustomed to say that without the Holy Spirit, all is cold. Therefore, when we feel we are losing our fervor, we must instantly start a novena to the Holy Spirit and ask for faith and love. This is very good counsel, and there is a wonderful um, um, novena to the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are many of them, but um, one in particular uh, that I'm familiar with that is, in fact, a prayer for faith and love, where we beg the Holy Spirit to intercede. And if you are experiencing that dryness, that lack of fervor, that uh, coldness in your encounter with the Lord today, begin today this novena to the Holy Spirit well, and Mark, beg and ask him Mark, uh, that to impart remi- faith and That love. reminds me of a story. Mark, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that, no, no, I have ahead. to tell you the story about about St. Mary of Jesus crucified. She's a um, discast Carmelite nun. She was just canonized a year ago. So um, she had a great devotion to the Holy Spirit. And she was addressing this this specific aspect of feeling cold. So I just want to tell you this story. I looked it up and I, I wanted to share it with our audience. This morning, 14 November 1871, I was feeling low in spirit because I did not feel the presence of God. It seemed to me that my heart was like iron. I could not think of God. I invoked the Holy Spirit, saying, It is you who made us know Jesus. The apostles spent a long time with him without ever comprehending him. But the fire you sent down on them made them understand him. You will also make me understand him. Come, my consolation. Come, my joy. Come, my peace, my strength and light. Come, give me the light to find the spring where I can quench my thirst. One ray of your light is enough to show me Jesus as he is. 
Jesus has said that you will come to the ignorant. I am the first and foremost of all the ignorant. I ask you for no other learning nor any other wisdom than the knowledge of how to find Jesus and the wisdom of remaining with him. And I felt the fire burn a little in my heart. The Holy Spirit refuses me nothing. How so important it is for us to begin story. all our works with that kind of prayer. And as uh, Francis mentioned, right. uh, St. Mary of Jesus Crucified discounted a Carmelite nun. We did a series on her recently. In fact, I encourage you to, uh, if right. you haven't, to give that a listen because she has a wonderful story. Uh, and she's so important for this time, uh, the time that we're living in with the, the uh, um conflicts uh, across the world, but most especially in the Middle East. She bridges that gap between the two cultures uh, and certainly encourage you to, to give that a listen. But this is a prayer worth um, uh, remembering um, and, and perhaps writing down and, and praying ourselves as we prepare for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. You know, great movements have been heralded by great prayer and for a very practical reason. Think of how important it is to pray before you go on a retreat or a conference, that all will be put into God's hands, that all will conform with God's will. And in order for this to be true with regard to the arrival of the Holy Spirit, we have to be open to it and prepare ourselves. The disciples and Mary continued praying until they heard that noise like a a strong driving wind, uh, which we know always um, indicates the arrival of the Holy Spirit. They, of course, had no idea how many days of prayer would pass before the coming of the Holy Spirit, but they trusted and they surrendered to God's plan, and they simply um, um, continued to pray in patience and in love and in support of one another, and were gifted with, of course, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Well, Francis, would you take us to the eighth step here before we uh, move on to the last? Well, yes, but Mark, I just want to add real quick um, from Luke uh, chapter 11, you know, where Jesus is saying, you know, ask and you receive, seek and you will knock. It's that one. And the end of that ends with this line. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we need to ask in prayer for that Holy Spirit. This eighth step then is to offer praise and thanksgiving. And, you know, Jesus sets the example for us. So we we see his example in Luke chapter 10, verse 21. He says at that very moment, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. So under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Jesus rejoiced, and he burst out with this prayer of thanks to his Father. So, yes, we need to imitate that. Earlier in Luke's gospel, um, the cousin Elizabeth did the same thing, because when she heard Mary's greeting, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then in Acts 10, verses 44 through 46, we find another example emphasizing that prayer and praise were the most common response of those receiving that pouring of the Holy Spirit. In this verse, we, we see, while Peter was still speaking these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the word. The circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit should have been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they could hear them speaking in tongues and glorifying God. You know, so how important is it to worship God through the Holy Spirit? Well, listen to what Jesus tells the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here. And I think it applies to us now, of course, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Yes, that hour is here for us now. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Let's pray ardently and fervently in praise and thanksgiving to be receptive and open to receive the Holy Spirit and how grateful we should be to the Holy Spirit, our sanctifier, our consoler, our advocate, and our teacher. And that leads to our ninth step. 
So, Mark, lead us in the ninth step. Yes, the ninth step, the final step, is, of course, to dispose ourselves in the best manner possible. We've been talking about that, um, disposing ourselves for the arrival, the furtherance of the Holy Spirit's action within our souls. And to do that, we must practice this preparation, not just in this season, not just uh, at the arrival of Pentecost, but actually and literally on a daily basis. How do we do that? Love God, love of neighbor, love as Jesus has loved you. Repent, pray fervently in union with Mary, give thanks for the gifts that have already been uh, given to us, and surrender to the Lord in every way. In a word, trust. Trust in the Lord. No matter what the circumstances of our life, no matter how difficult they may be, no matter what trials and tribulations we're facing, no matter how we ourselves have purported ourselves, how we've conducted ourselves. If we find ourselves in, in a difficult time where we're struggling with a particular sin or a deficiency in our character, and we need to prepare ourselves to the Holy Spirit, trust regardless that the Lord will heal us of that. Turn ourselves over. Pray the prayer that Francis prayed a moment ago of uh, uh, Blessed um, Mary of Jesus Crucified, and allow the Holy Spirit to enter in and to begin that work in us. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Well, that pretty much covers everything. There are no hours, no minutes <laughs> in the day that we ought not to be reflecting on the Lord, asking Him for His um, uh, gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, relying on the guidance of the Holy Spirit to direct our thoughts, to direct our words, to direct our actions, to guide us in prayer, to draw us even closer to the Blessed Mother. It isn't something we do for nine days. It isn't something we do for a season. It must become something that we do as a lifetime uh, preparation for this continual arrival of the Holy Spirit and the work that the Holy Spirit wishes to do within us. Francis, I think it'd be helpful if we summarize all of these steps. There have been a lot we've covered here in this uh, conversation, and maybe just a quick synopsis would be good. All right. I'm just going to number them, and, and uh, then maybe you could do the closing prayer. All right. Here's the nine steps. First, learn about the Holy Spirit. I would start with Scripture. The second one, practice obedience. Go to Jerusalem. Go to your interior cell. Three, Wait. Wait patiently, wait upon the Lord. Four, excite within your heart an ardent desire for the Holy Spirit. Five, gather in community, in peace among your brothers and sisters. Go to Mass, be together. Have union with Mary, our Mother. Seven, practice unity in prayer. Pray to receive the Holy Spirit. Eight, give praise and thanks. That is always so good. In the worst of times, praise and thanksgiving breaks those bonds of, of those worst of times. And nine, dispose yourself in the best possible manner to receive the Holy Spirit daily. And that can be through scripture, through teachings of the church, through little interior promptings, through the circumstances of your life, through good books, uh, through, I hope, Carmelite conversations. So, um Anyway, they, these are the steps we can put into action and prepare well to receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit this coming Pentecost. And next week, I think we, we might do another segment on the Holy Spirit to, to give us a deeper preparation. Um, but at, at this point in time, Mark, maybe uh, you could give us a, a, a closing prayer. And I well, just wanna, uh, we have just one praise. minute left. Francis, I know you had identified some texts for... Uh, preparation for the Holy Spirit, and I know, as you do each week, right. that you'll put those on our site. But if you want to quickly run through the titles, maybe it'll inspire our listeners to give a look to the site and um, and get the details of the books. All right, and this can be found at CarmeliteConversations.com and also on Radio Maria under our program. Um, this first book is Holy Spirit, Make Your Home in Me. These are biblical meditations on receiving the gift of the Spirit by Father George T. Montague. Um, Hearts of Flame, The Holy Spirit at the Heart of the Christian Life Today by Alan Shrek. That's a famous book, classic. Uh, the Paraclete, The Spirit of Truth in the Church by Father Andrew Apostoli. And a, a big classic, The Sanctifier by the Reverend Louis M. Martinez, who I think is um, on his way to be uh, made a blessed. So uh, there you have it. Well, great. Thank you. All good books. Uh, we've done some... 
uh, programming on some of those authors, in fact, in the past. And so I encourage you to look up those titles on the sites that Francis mentioned. But before we uh, close this uh, conversation, let us uh, turn to the Holy Spirit and prayerfully ask that uh, the Holy Spirit might uh, visit us and change us in a very significant way. And so in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, inspire me. Love of God, consume me. On the true path, lead me. Mary, my mother, look upon me. With Jesus, bless me. From all evil, from all illusion, from all danger, preserve me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, a reminder that you've been mm-hmm. listening to Carmelite Spirituality Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. This is the season that we prepare for the arrival of the Holy Spirit for Pentecost. Uh, Francis and I will be doing another a conversation in preparation for that next week. And until we are with you next week, God bless.